0: Staten Island thing started boiling over last night. Hold
1: the line! Hold
2: the line! A standoff, anti-vaccine mandate protesters against sanitation department trucks. Showing this large group against the city's vaccine mandate, blocking garbage trucks from
0: entering the hub. And if that wasn't working, lone protesters making sure they got the job done. You know what they did? They got me to be here instead of work, organizing every one of you.
3: The timeline has ended, and we're here to tell you that Matt's public house is officially open,
0: and we will not close.
2: In New York's 11th Congressional District,
0: Nicole Malitakis has a primary challenger, and he's joining us. John Matlin, thanks for joining us. This is the Patriot Panel. Welcome to the Patriot Panel. Today is a special, we're going to do a recap from Scott Lobato's art show in West Palm Beach. We are recording live in Boynton Beach, Florida, as we work our way down the coast. Uh, so you're going to hear from a lot of great people. I've had conversations with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, we have Tom Holman. Uh, we have a lot of people. Scott Tobacco, John Tobacco. We got it all. We have a bunch of people that will be. Uh, you'll hear from them talking at the event. Uh, some of them will be having conversation with me. I'll have a, a part where I ask some questions. Uh, so this is the Patriot panel, so it's a longer uh, recap, if you will. I know everybody's like, well, what about today's news? Well, today's news, there's other places to get it. Uh, but this is the recap of what we just witnessed here uh, in West Palm Beach over the past weekend, which is Scott Lebato show with the America Project and the America First Warehouse. And if I didn't address it already, yes, I have a cold. So deal with my nasally voice uh, on this portion of the podcast. And again, if you're going to go and shop... For Sons and Daughters of Liberty gear, you go to sonsanddaughtersofliberty.world. You use promo code PODCAST for 17.76% off. So grab the flag, grab some t-shirts and hoodies, and we'll get those out to you. Without further ado, here we go. Here's the roundup. All right, Scott, so I have, I have you for a minute. I just wanna ask, after all these years that you've put into this, this uh, fight and your artwork, how does it feel to have your own display down here in Florida?
4: Well, it's good. I mean, I've had a million shows over, the, you know, last thirty years and stuff, and it's it's nice. It's always like a fly by night place that I rent because you know, as you know, the art world wants nothing to do with me. I wouldn't be in the shittiest gallery. They wouldn't put me in the shilly, shittiest gallery in downtown. But uh, I, I actually feed off of that because I I'm here in at the Marriott Hotel in West Palm Beach, Florida, Florida, which is now the center of the fucking patriotic universe standing next to three paintings that the greatest president ever signed personally. So, I'd like to send a little message to the art world back in New York City.
0: Oh, fuck off. And, and I'll, I'll tie it up with this. Uh, your movie's expected out later this year. Will you be doing uh, any touring down to Florida to display it because if so I, I know somebody who will be here that's me uh,
4: yeah no I'm gonna this is the I have a huge fan base in Florida I got a big fan base that grew over the years and uh, Florida was has always been my big fan base and I just never could afford to come down here and thanks to my sponsors and I, you know everybody's like ah thank you sponsors but these aren't sponsors these are friends these are patriots these are America first people like I am the American project Uh, The America Project, and of course, you know, we all know Crazy Joe the Box from the America First Warehouse, and these people helped me out, and this is the first of many shows I'm going to be having in Florida.
0: So, people,
4: I ain't going anywhere. Get used to me. Uncle Scotty's
0: in town. Now, this next clip of Patrick Byrne is something really special to listen to, just hearing this breakdown of uh, how CCP and the cartels are working. So, take a listen to this and then it'll just keep going back into more of the speeches and whatnot from there my conversation with Rudy a couple of questions I asked uh, but this this one's a really good one to listen to check it out
3: the speech of a general sure how, yeah. he was a minister of defense he's still the vice chairman of the party and he, he gave a speech in 2003 that leaked in 08 and you can look you can look that name up and find it. Also a book by two Chinese colonels that came out in 98 called Unrestricted Warfare. And another book by Michael Pillsbury who was a close friend of Peter Navarro and who served in this last administration called The 100-Year Marathon. What these books will tell you or this speech as such, here's the big picture. In 1949, when the CCP came to power in China, they set off a 100-year plan to overturn us turn us into a massive state and turn themselves into the, the, the global center of power the central kingdom how it the there are six different ways of fighting war six different levels to it and only the sixth is what we think of as war it's for them it's economic and cultural and diplomatic and so it's only at the sixth level do you, do you actually bullets fly and Sunza had said that the greatest way to win a war is not in about to fight it. It's all about subversion and basically their 100-year plan, by 2010 they had announced that they would have won by 2030 and now they think it's 2027, 2028. Here's the plan, they take us down. This is quite explicit. In 1993, Russia and China made a deal. China saw what had happened, the Soviet Union. They made a deal to take us down. Russia gets Alaska and Western Canada. China gets the US and Eastern Canada. Every significant home in America already has a deed issued in China. There is some Chinese general or colonel or, or communist official who has a deed to your home. And his understanding is when the dust settles, that becomes his. And they literally think that's 2028, maybe 2027. How will they get here? As the Minister of Defense laid out in 03, was through a bioweapon, and the bioweapon destabilized the United States. Then we get pushed into civil war, and in civil war, 90% of us die. The cartels are given the cartels and basically Pakistan acting as UN blue helmets, get three years to basically rape, loot, pillage, burn, and leave us a carcass. Once we're a carcass, they occupy us, they colonize us, leaving 30 million whites alive, everyone else gets exterminated, 30 million whites alive to be slaves. This is right out of the speech. It's the highest level leak in Chinese history. It's never been denied. So you really should look at these. This isn't me making this up. This is the Chinese Minister of Defense, there two colonels, and Michael Pillsbury, who's sort of one of the great old China hands alive. Uh, so as crazy as that sounds, that's the plan. Next uh the ceo also has an ancient history with subversion it's Persia, it's Iran next uh, and then the next down the chain of command next is Cuba down here in Florida nobody really needs too much education about Cuba but there literally is this is a chain of command there's a special terrorist flight that flies this route each each week but now we get to the real the front lines the senior vice president who we're really fighting Next is the Cartel of the suns. That's the Cartel de los Soles. The suns referred to is, are the stars on the shoulders of the capos of that cartel. And that is because they're all generals in the Venezuelan army. The Venezuelan government. Venezuela is where cartels and mafia and organized crime turn into nation-state. And then that SVP, so to speak, is has four VPs reporting to it. And those are next, those are the Mexican cartels that you hear about, the four Mexican cartels. Need to understand those that we are fighting are themselves just the vice presidents of this organization we're up against. Venezuela cartel is really the master behind this, and that it's all being done ultimately back in the shadows. It's China. That's who we're up against. The Venezuela absolutely have a role in this election, its technology had a role in this election. I, Dominion is suing me, I can't wait. I can't wait, I've got, this This is hilarious. I've put, we we now know the whole story, and Venezuela is absolutely gonna turn out to be, have involved, be involved in this election. And incidentally, the machines that get assembled, Dominion's machines that get assembled in Taiwan, they, the motherboard is made in in communist China, so America is running its elections. And if you know anything about electronic computers, they at this point they can burn code, they can burn bug, bugs into the hardware. It's not even in the EEPROM or in the soft, the software, or the firmware of the system. It's so deep it can't be found. We're running our elections on machines whose brain, its its motherboard. This frontal lobe of the system was made in communist China and on software that actually has a pedigree that traces back to Venezuela. That's something to think about. Next. If you wanted to learn about the Sikero, there was a good movie a few years ago about the Sikero, about, about those cartels, but now you're hearing it today. Next. Next. What's really going on? How are they doing it? The game plan. There's an optimistic version and a pessimistic version. Here's the optimistic version. You're being run through something called a Besmanov psyop. A Besmanov psyop next has four stages: demoralization, disorientation, crisis, and normalization. It's how you take over a country without firing a shot. You're between the demoralization and then disorientation. You have people in such a psychotic state that you then force the, the whatever you want down their throat and then normal, normalize things. So you're basically saying to people, the only way out of this psychotic experience that they're having is just to normalize and accept what just happened. So this is a very well understood military style of how you, we take a country over. It applies to us the following way. Go next. I assume that next I don't have to explain much about COVID. Uh, two years ago, I used to have to be explaining to people, while oh, this is all." I mean, it's a real thing. But it was easily they could have stopped this at any time with ivermectin and zinc. They could, and they, they not only didn't do that, they didn't do that so they could introduce vaccines, which at this point we uh, don't have to waste any more time talking about it. Not here. Great book by Dr. Wolf about disorientation. Next. That was the anti-FUD BLM riots. I happened to be walking in front of the FBI one day, in the fall of 2020, in DC, when a bunch of goons in leather jackets and leather and ATVs and and motorcycles came up and just took over the street in front of the FBI, wheelies and donuts, all traffic stopped for 10 minutes, in front of the premier, putatively the premier law enforcement organization in the world. Nobody did a thing. That was that and CHOP and all this kind of stuff that happened in 2020 was to disorient you. It was to tell you this isn't the America you know anymore. Rules don't apply, as you've understood. That was the disorientation. The crisis, next, the crisis was the rigged, next was the rigged election. You've heard, I, again, two years ago, I had to be convincing everyone or explaining and I'm not gonna even bother at this point. Everyone understands that our elections are incredibly and now normalization next that's the cancel culture you're experiencing that's the normalizing period and so next so what we have here these things have seemed really strange to you hasn't over the last few years there's just been a bunch of strange things that didn't seem like America like Antifa riots with no with no consequences cancel culture you know the election how strange everything was on the day of the election and cities being shut down our county being shut down and all this weirdness about covid both the demonization of these very basic drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin as well as this crazy stuff with these shots well these really odd things that have been happening those are all different pieces of the puzzle and this is how they fit together they're all pieces of a very well-defined puzzle called a of style, and it's how you take over a country in a soft coup without firing a shot. Next. So that's the optimistic version of what's happening. Sure. <clears throat> the, the pessimistic, I think we have thwarted that one enough. So we're being pushed to the pessimistic version. Here's, and this is called the art of destruction. The arc of destruction, anthropologists say that countries that can go into genocide share a certain four-step pattern. And these are panic. They're panicked by something. Because when humans are panicked, we start thinking from our amygdala. We start thinking from this part of the brain that's basically the reptilian part. It's the fight or flight part of the brain. And when people go into fight or flight, they're not rational. They look for herd, they look for herd, everything that comes about what that signal is from the herd. Anyone have any experience in the last couple years trying to talk to people rationally about COVID, and about data, and just having people vapor lock? Like it doesn't matter the data, you can pull it right off the sea, wet, sea, sea, wet, and they just vapor lock? That's because they're not thinking from the frontal lobe. They're in just the panic mode. So that was, that was, pan, that was the panic. Tribalization has to have visual symbols associated with it. 80 years ago, it ran like this. The Germans said there's bubonic plague to the east and these Jews among us have cousins, the shtetl Jews to the east. And that's how the, that's how bubonic plague is gonna get into us. So we're gonna make them wear yellow stars and tell them they can't even walk on the sidewalk and the yellow stars so we can identify them coming. That was all about protecting Germans from a plague. But what it's really about is you have to have some visual way to distinguish the in-group from the out-group. In our case, it was the masks, it was the vax, the vax passports. That all has a psychological point to it. Demonization, of course, is what what you we know, became. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It was everybody's fault, which was a lie when he said it, and has now come out to be Not only purely lie, it turns out they never tested. Remember the CEO of Pfizer was up in some court in Europe and they asked him and he said, well, we never looked at. it doesn't do anything to to stop the spread. It turns out now that we know the more shots you have, the more COVID you get. And then the fourth stage is genocide. This is what you have to do to create a genocide. You create an in-group through panicking people, tribalizing them. One's the in-group, one's the out-group. There's visual ways to separate them. You demonize the outgroup, and once they're demonized and the deplorables, and look at the way the language the left and politicians have brought to things in the last few years. It's really to make it you subhuman if you're not part of their group. They are we're being set up for genocide. So I think one way or the other, this is what we're up against. I think the strings on this puppet show are being pulled ultimately in China and I think the plan is ultimately they literally have issued deeds to your homes they look at the new in-ground hot tub you put in last month on google earth they thank you for it but there's some guy in China some colonel who literally has the deed to your home and he thinks he's going to be in it within five years at this point point. and in between we get driven into civil war we collapse and 90 percent of us die just from the supply chain collapse that's the plan that we're up against. The collapse of the southern border is a key element in that plan. It's not gotten much press, but they have deliberately in Latin America and Africa been uh, emptying jet prisons of rapist murders. In Venezuela, they got three or four thousand gang members, that's specifically what they're doing. They give them tick, they take them out of the prisons, they give them tickets to Panama, where they join the refugee stream. And by the way, both the Chinese intelligence service and the Russian intelligence service now have stations along that that refugee stream where they're recruiting people and, and so forth. So this is the nature of what you're up against. It is a big sigh to take down the United States. I don't understand why people aren't, there's nothing else to worry about. This country's done. And it, the thing that you talk to anyone who's lived through a communist revolution, the thing they always, from Cuba, old timers, to Venezuela or Nicaragua or China, the thing they always tell you is they had no idea it would happen so quickly. And that it started moving and they, think, and they had no idea things could go as quickly as they did. Well, I think that the only reason we're even still in the ball game is that we just won the house back. And that came through two years of very hard, very expensive work. From a lot of people, and some people don't know what the American Project does because we're so behind the scenes. But all over the country, just about everything you hear about in election integrity, we've had some role in. We're funding something. We're funding some research. We're funding lawsuits. We've 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 done things all, and we've spun up and all over the country this election integrity movement significant hand in it. We are shifting now to the southern border because I think election integrity has its own legs. We still have some stuff going on that you'll be hearing about in election integrity. I think that it's all gonna be re- completely revealed. At this point we don't know how corrupt the institutions are, but I think the day will come before the year is over where, the, where everything about these election systems is revealed. So that's the world we're in. We're really asking for for, any financial help you can. Uh, thank you for coming to this wonderful event. I'd love to thank Carlito, Amanda, and, and Forrest, and of course Director of Coleman, who had such attention of class and experiences.
0: So where we started.
2: So you tell me uh, exactly why you ran
0: for Congress, what happened, and uh, what you're going to do in the future. So. Uh, First, I'd like to say that I was a big uh, supporter for you for president in 2008. That's right. Whoa. That's, that's first so I ran because we're watching all of our liberty get completely eroded by politicians and it's sometimes on the right. It's not just the left. And that would be those rhinoceros folks. Mm-hmm. that we call Right,
2: rhinoceros. And
0: That's we fine. have to have more real people run. And yeah. people that are America first. You're gonna do it again? I think you want gonna run for city council. There's there's a. He yeah. the 11th
2: uh, district and he's the host of Sons and Daughters of Liberty Radio. That's quite a quite. A, I like that name.
0: Yeah, well, well, there is. That's, that's All right. right. Actually, I, I have. I brought you one of my stickers. I'll, I'll what is it? I, I. I could send you one of our flags. We have flags, T-shirts. You tell me. It's on oh. <laughs> <laughs> this a bit, this a bit of pressure
2: to join. Join
0: or die. Ah, that's. <laughs> right. I like it. I like that approach. That's uh, right there. So uh, this guy's uh, tough. But listen, well, we have to be tough now more than ever, because they went from taking inches to taking miles, and they did it really quick. They did it, in a, they've, they've sped it up, and people are getting caught, as they say proverbially, with their pants down. They just got caught. They don't know what's happening. And if Yeah, you know, I think that's
2: true. I think the, la- the ladies who were here before about the education system, who obviously are on top of it, but there are a lot of parents that are beginning to recognize but, uh, you know this has been going on since I, I i remember it when i was the mayor i tried uh, to negotiate with the teachers union uh so so a teacher molests a kid right you know how long it takes to get rid of the teacher about five years a long time and, and you, they used to put them something called a rubber room and they get paid mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. so what i did because i was a former prosecutor and we and in, in my day, we had real prosecutors who actually put people in jail, <laughs> and, and they were Democrats. Four Democrats and a Republican, but the Democratic prosecutors were well, good. Okay. And I went to them I said, can you help me? You guys can prosecute these creep perverts faster than I can fire them. So prosecute them and we'll, we'll get them in jail, You know, we'll get them in Sing Sing in two, in two years or a year and a half. you know I would have to send them their checks in Sing Sing? because the, the, the teachers would keep delaying. So, so get, they were sexual molesting of a kid. They get arrested. They, uh, they get, go out on bail. Then I can't fire them as a teacher, but I don't have to put them in a classroom. So I send them to the rubber room, and then what I would do is I'd have the police, I'd have the district attorney just, first of all, fight the bail, See if we could keep them in and get them to trial right away, expedite the case to trial. They'd all get convicted. And they go off, they go off for decent sentences, you know, maybe 10 years, 8 years, 10 years, 7 years. So they they'd go to Sing Sing or Elmira or wherever, wherever the prison was. And all of a sudden, my, my uh, budget director comes and says, you know, we're paying about 12, we're sending like 12 checks to Sing Sing. I said, what the hell are we sending checks to Sing Sing for? Well, for the people you got convicted, I said, "How long are we going to have to do it?" Well, about three, or four years until until the teachers' union stops delaying the proceeding.
3: And of course, they own the
2: administrative judges; yep. they're all a bunch of communists. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you, you, I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get them to agree to higher pay for better teachers. Yeah. I said, "Why don't you Why don't you try representing the good teachers?" Mm-hmm. Instead of representing yes. the Bronx, mm-hmm. yes. they don't. They represent the Bronx. And before I
0: before I jump out, because I know we're in soccer time, <laughs> uh, I do want I do want to throw out there. There's a group in New York right now called New York Dujour Assembly, mm-hmm. and they have put Mayor Adams in default of of his constitutional duties. And a lot of people know this because you would expect that the news would cover something like this. They served him three notices, and on his third notice, they actually brought six citizens from New York City, brought him to court. They've already had oral arguments, and he might have to be removed from his position, as is D.A. Breck. He is. In default of his constitutional duty, he's not upholding the law. He chooses what he wants to prosecute. Well, he—I mean—he announced
2: he should have been removed the first day. Get him out, absolutely. So he takes Indeed. the oath. Think about it. He takes the oath of office. I'll uphold the laws of the state of New York. Okay, I want then to. he puts out a document saying I won't prosecute them. Correct. That completely contradicts the,
0: the oath he just took. How about trespassing, Rudy? Trespassing, you, I, he said, I'm not going to prosecute trespassing. And then people without vaccine passports go to the museum and they try to, they give them court dates. They actually try to prosecute them for not having a vaccine passport. Our city has fallen so far from where it was when you were the mayor. And this is the time that we need to get it back, and that's why I say real people have to run. We're watching a system fall apart in real time. It's us, we the people. So that where will stop. are you?
2: Where where are you gonna run? What what's the part?
0: I You know what? I, it's it's gonna be in Staten Island. It's a uh, Soverelli so, is going to finish out his term and uh, he's going to get re-elected in November and I will be voting for him and at that point he's termed out and there is an open seat and I know somebody, who goes by the name of John Matlin, that's me, and uh, as Stone Cold would say I'm ready to open that can of whoop you know what and I'm going to bring that ruckus to the city council where it's needed most because the day of people, I watched decast go in front of everybody, they couldn't give you one number of how many people they laid off. from. Firefighters to NYPD. They're completely incompetent. The most well, so among other things, they're completely incompetent. Most incompetent system, and it keeps. Lazy, oh, lazy, I'll have to incompetent. Circle back. That's what they kept saying. Like, I have to circle back, and I said, "What is Jen Psaki doing here? She works yeah. for D.C. <laughs> what are we doing?" So at that point, I do want to say, I hope that if I do get there, that there's going to be a mayor, and I hope his name is Andrew Giuliani. <laughs>
3: There are some people that say they know President Trump and then there are some people like Tom Homan
4: who can take me, drive that America First rig you see out there, that Joe the Box owns, yeah. and take some of Scott Lovato's most precious works and drive it to a to Mar-a-Lago and have them bring us right through, bring those things into the president who said absolutely I'm going to sign him. that man right there. And still believe belief that President Trump is here with us he understands exactly where the proceeds are going. Proceeds are going to the J6 prisoners and you have to understand the same. At the America Project, uh, we started as a 501C4, but we've also started a new 501C3 called the Justice For All Project. The Justice For All Project and the America Project are one and the same. One's a 501C4, the other one a 501C3, and if you understand how a nonprofit space works, it's so much better to have both. Hey, folks, thank you all for coming out here. here. Uh, I don't have to explain who I am after that. Um, it, it's just amazing because I always had trouble getting my art anywhere because I'm a conservative artist, um, a straight, white male who loves NASCAR and I don't pronounce my R's right. So the big city art world never wanted me. And 30 years ago, when I found that out and how, how horrible it was that creative people the creative people in this country should be the most per, uh, the most patriotic, because we creatives have more freedom than anybody in this second country. And to see that these creative people, music, film, art, sculpting, they were desecrating that flag. America was taboo. It was oppressive. And for you as an artist to paint that flag, that's like that you're under this Nazi symbol. You're a jingoist. You're, you're a nationalist. And that moment in 1990, when I saw that, I said, F you, I'm going my own way. I'm gonna bring this
3: flag back to life. Yeah. And show sure the true meaning
4: of what it is. And I ate a lot of shit for a long time, but I stuck to my grounds because I knew eventually that I would meet people like Joe the Box from the America First Lash, and my new best friend Paulito, the America yeah. Project. This is so sweet for me, you know. People say, how come you're only doing this for one day? I mean, you got a lot of fans in Florida. I said, because I can't get galleries. Galleries are not gonna put me in it, so I always rent my own space, thanks to the sponsorship that I get from these fellow patriots, and now my new best friend. <clears throat> Tom, home over here, boy. Oh. 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 This This awesome man got these paintings with Calito and took them, because they got the call, and took them to POTUS 47 and 45. And he signed up, but when they brought them back, we had to get them back set off. And I opened up the door, and there's Tom laying on the bottom of the van holding up the painting. And I was like,
1: this is Tom
5: Woo! That was great.
4: We got my buddy Grant Stitchfield over here. Rudy Giuliani's floating around somewhere. He's going to do a podcast. Um, I'll just get to finish up, uh, finish it up quick. Um, again, it, it's you know when you go to a gallery and you see that, it's a lot of work to put a show together, and it's not just the artist who does the work. It's everybody. I mean, Joe's crew. You know, I'm I'm a nice guy. I don't. I'm, but when I'm setting up a show, I'm mean. I'm really mean. I'm like, I get that rubber band, around that thing, put that thing in, and it takes a team. I mean, Liz, Amanda, you know, and the girls. Amanda, Marina, you know, I can't go on and on and but really,
3: I know everybody hates it's boring, but no, this is important to me. I busted my ass, and it's nice that finally people's... Sorry. love you, Scott! It's to me because it shows that we are not going to lose this fucking country. And
5: Well, thanks for coming tonight. And, and, and yeah, just recently they asked me how to take over as CEO of America Project. Like I wasn't fucking busy enough. <laughs> I did it because you know, it's a great group, and as uh, you heard Cardio will say, they're doing some great work. So yeah, I stepped in and, and uh, i would help him get to the next level. Um, I'm Carl beer, We've got a room full of Patriots. And it was funny today because I, I landed this morning and Carl said, Can you get a Trump to sign a painting? I said, okay, uh, we got like an hour. Uh, so uh, I did, I called the president up and uh, we made arrangements, he'd signed a penny. Well, I took three and we should show up over there and he walked in the room, he comes up, gives me a hug, and says, hey, thanks for coming. I said, look, I know you said one, but I bought three. <laughs> he looked at him, he says, sure. okay, oh man, I knew you wanted to bring more than one. Wow. he signed, signed about three, he also signed a T-shirt for a uh,
2: Woo!
5: For, uh, your mom who lost two kids to fentanyl, and uh, he didn't hesitate on that, and he loved his shirt. And, matter of fact, he said he he signed that first. That was most important to him. So he signed three paintings. So you know we better get a checkbooks out because I told him he'll come triple the, the value of the painting. The one painting with uh, where he's looking like this tough guy with a shirt says police. I knew he'd like that. <laughs> so he told me he says when that goes up for bid, call me. that <laughs> I might buy so, uh, you've been a president, so I hope you're ready to <laughs> go. Anyways, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Uh, i met Scott LaVeo before, but I, I really got to know him the last couple of days, talking to all the folks around this event. I just saw the, that video I just saw, man. Your heart, your soul is into this country. I love who you are. You know, I love Woo! who you are. You're a You're crazy. Actually, the president asked me to travel to Texas more and speak at his rally. Then when he actually found this event, he looked at me and said, This is more important. I got more rallies. Speak at my next rally. So he gets what important event we have here in the next two days. So for the president to say, skip the rally, go to this. That means something from the greatest president of yeah. the life. When yeah. I'll Before I left, he pulled me aside he says, We still got a deal? I said, Yeah. He goes, and he copied my line in every speech I give across the country. Yeah. The, uh, I was speaking at C-Back, last question to the moderators. Tom, What's the future go, I said, Trump comes back, I come back, we fix this shit. Yeah. Yes! 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 Yeah. Apparently, he saw it because before I left the game, I was like, we still got a deal. He says, yeah, he goes, I'm coming back. We, you're coming back, we're going to fix this shit. Thanks yeah! <laughs> for coming on the floor, people and talking to you all. This is great Donald you my new friend. I love you. I've never met more of a patriot in my life, and I've been surrounded by patriots. I don't know you that well. For that video, I love you. I love you who you are. If
3: you don't like Donald Trump, you don't like me. <laughs> I am Joe the Box, the American First
4: Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Man, mad beyond belief. we got to close the border. Too many of our children are being murdered oh. by this particular president. It's a, one of my favorite portraits of Scott Levato is the president of uh, uh, the guy that says he's our president. over so, there, the empty suit. It uh, clearly shows me the difference between POTUS 45, the strength of a man that saves lives, saves people, loves this country, and will close this border. And out with Tom Holman, we got it made. God bless you, Tommy. Thank you, Ever, ever. God bless America.
1: Thanks for coming. was the president of the local pop water football league. My mom and dad owned the local sporting goods store, and my mom was a private investigator. So I came from a tough household. But the one thing they taught us was, "We're lucky. We're blessed." we got God on our side, and no matter what you do, you gotta love this country, you gotta love your community, and whatever you get out of it, you try your best to get back done. So, that's how my principles were. And as I was a younger man, I used to see this insane maniac, who I played touch football with his brother, holding rallies and screaming, throwing horse shit at the American Museum of Art, what was that? Brooklyn Museum of Art when they were when they were desecrating the Virgin Mary, Scott went there and threw horse manure on on the on the museum. And um, I always used to say, wow, that's how I want to be when I grow up. You know? <laughs> Little did I know Scott never actually grew up. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I've emulated you perfectly. I've not grown up either, Scott, but thank you. But You know, Staten Island, many people laugh at us. You see us on TV and stupid shows like the Mob Wives and the Jersey Shore. And they make out like there's a bunch of dopey guidos who don't know anything. But actually, Staten Island's like Americana. It's the only place in New York City. It's the only place in New York City where we still elect Republican officials. I call it, I call it the red-headed because they hate us but they can't get rid of us and after emulating Scott and looking up to him and always wanted to learn from him, he's mentored me, taught me, some places I've become even more diabolical than him and he has to calm me down and say, JT, let not do that. Like when we were going to, we were going to protest the lockdowns by Interrupting the New York City Marathon, which starts in Staten Island, New York, and we had a crack team, including my friend Johnny Mailer right there, another great patriot from Staten Island, and the guys from Axe Public House who were opening up the bar in Staten Island, saying "Screw you to the lockdowns." We were planning the heist. We were gonna. We were gonna interrupt the New York City Marathon, where it takes off from Staten Island. And we, had, we had maps, and we were at Scott's studio, and we were half drunk, and we were drawing, this is where we'll intersect, this is where we can get them. And then all of a sudden, the next day, Scott called me up and said, we cannot do this. <laughs> I said, what the fuck are you talking about? You're the guy. You, I'm supposed to talk you out of things, but we found out that if you would interrupt an event like that, you would be considered a domestic terrorist because the FBI has control over the event. And actually, Scott in his older years became the voice of reason. (laughs) But we didn't do that. And most of the things we've done to fight for America have been inspired by Scott, and we've had great people get behind us, but I worked with Carl and Patrick Byrne from the America Project, my buddy, Joe, and, and uh, Johnny Box, uh, they came, they started the America First warehouse, and Carl said, I want a place, and I introduced them to the America First. And then Scott met them at the America First, and Carlito and I worked together for many years for Overstock.com, and when I found out about this, I was like, wow, all my friends, who I care about and love in life, and we all share the same things, so all coming together, to celebrate Scott. So, let's get a round of applause for Scott LeVayne. thank you. And, on my show Wise Guys, I refer to him as America's artist, because to me, that's what he is, and that's what he'll always be. So Scott, God bless you and Thanks for your inspiration.
0: I ran for New York eleven and as I was going door to door with my team getting signatures, I came across where I used to do my paper route. And the woman that lived there died at the age of ninety-three back in two thousand three when I was still seventeen. Okay.
3: She's she's
0: still active. She's now well into her hundred and twenties. And she says so I'm knocking on the door. With, with my volunteer and I said, we're gonna try to get a signature and I see the name and I was like, this woman died when I was in high school, but she's still active. So how do you get liberal states, liberal cities, the corrupt New York City Board of Elections, which I beat in court, by the way, thank you. Uh, how do you get them to do their job and clean up the role? Well, the truth is the corruption is so endemic.
3: It's like this closed circle of corruption at this point. The courts are corrupt, yeah. the courts above them are corrupt. The, you know, every, uh, However, citizens still have a lot of uh, means of redress. The each state is different when it comes to cleaning up the voter rolls. But for, in New York, I believe they've identified over a million. I mean, it's so far out of whack in New York. Someone's just telling me the numbers that if you look at what people, what each precinct and county reports, and then you look at what the state certifies, if you add up everything that all the counties report. We have one number, and then what the state certifies is 360,000, more than that. So there's right. just no should be certified. Same thing in Michigan, there's an, there's an 11.5% discrepancy between, so there's so much going on that they don't report in the press, but the breakthroughs. In Michigan, the goon, uh, the Soros goon, Secretary of State, issued orders after the November 3rd, 2020 election for everyone to wipe out their discs, their thumb drives, a bunch of people said, no, that's a felony. That was an unlawful order. They went to their local sheriffs. The local sheriffs organized a fully legal law enforcement investigation. They hired a woman named Stephanie Lambert, a lawyer, a 12-year prosecutor, a little bulldog of a lady. Very, She's not going to let this country go down. So she's been working this lawful investigation. They had access to all the machines, the materials. They brought in four very high-end cyber security guys, and this whole thing has been solved. This whole thing's been cracked. There's a report by Ben Cotton and Eric Spikine. It's been cracked. What they were saying you know, a few days after the election, but well, where's the proof? Where's the proof? We now have the proof. We have it all. It's for example, the thumb drives show that what the precincts, the ones that didn't get a array show that what the precincts report. Okay, Joe Blow came in and voted. Sally Smith did not vote, and Bill Jones voted by mail. If you compare that at each precinct level with the state record, there's an 11.5 percent discrepancy, and that's because. So, it's, it's, if they say Tom, Bill Jones did, voted by mail, and in the state record it says he didn't vote this year, or it says he voted in person, or something. That's because it's all getting pre up. It's all being pre-cooked and loaded in at the state, and at the state level, it just doesn't match what comes in beneath it. So this stuff has all been found, and they're desperate. This lawyer herself, it's amazing, the Michigan Secretary of State and Attorney General, who are both Soros plants, tried to wrestle this law enforcement investigation away from the sheriffs. The sheriffs had to argue that by federal and state statute and common law, they are the chief law enforcement officers for anything election crime. They had to fight their own attorney general who was who's implicated that he, they didn't get it taken away. Now a whistleblower has come forward from the state, the state trooper. He's the chief investigator of what's supposed to be the investigation. He's come forward on tape saying it's all a cover up. They're involved in obstruction of justice, the Secretary of State. And now the Secretary of State and Attorney General of Michigan have formed a, they tried to get their own prosecutor staff to go after these people. The prosecutors said no. They started a special investigation, special counsel, and that person is trying to get indictments on them. That's all cover, but just tells you how desperate they are. There's now that the Attorney General of Michigan, having himself been implicated in all these crimes, has started a special investigation to look into the sheriff's who are doing a law enforcement investigation and the former prosecutor that they hired and the expert witnesses that she hired. You know, this, this is how law has worked for hundreds of years. The lawyers hire expert witnesses. They're now trying to get indictments against these people. But that's because, but that's a good sign. It just tells you, and that's a million dollars. Just, just, Just funding her and backing and, and solving that problem is going to cost us a million dollars. But she's running 15 cases for us, all kinds of cases all over the country. Like she in the Fulton County, Pennsylvania, and all this Michigan stuff. And if you know about it, Georgia, 67 out of 69 counties were found with something called the Tennessee Era. That's all this woman is sort of the maestro of it all. And that's how they're operating. They have unlimited money. And any lawyer picks up a pen to try to help us, the Bar Association comes after. However, we have people and we have You know, when we have funding too, we're just pushing back, it's four hours in the cloud of dust, we're bringing malicious prosecution charges against them. Anyway, the point is we have the answers, we have, and the reason they're going, they're going in the last couple weeks full out Banana Republic goon. It's because they're completely exposed and the last thing they can do is bring criminal charges against their own sheriffs and against the lawyer and our expert witnesses for investigating them and there's already a state trooper who is named the attorney general. The secretary of state is actually being a committing obstruction of justice. So this is what this is what a dying gasp of a of a corrupt regime looks like. Wow. Yeah, it's an extreme case, this Stephanie Lambert case in wow. But we're, so we're going to get through. I mean, we're gonna get it's it's there's not one answer. There's three thousand different fights to battle. But something you should know, the Republican Party. Mark Elias had 700 fights in 2020, legal fights. The Republican Party didn't answer in 650. They just let it happen. So something that's happening now is we're taking over the Republican Party from within. America Firsters in Michigan and Arizona are (laughs) taking over. And the Republican Party has has all kinds of mechanisms. They could have, they have all kinds of rights of inspection. They could have done all kinds of things. They let twenty twenty happen. And but now that we are taking it over at the state or the county level, you're gonna have you're gonna have a Republican Party that actually uh, is actually doing what it should have done in twenty twenty. Yeah, so for example, now that we have the Phoenix Act, they have access to real Uh, voter rolls, real time, and they've already learned how to crack, they've learned how the bad guys are hacking them, how the bad guys are stuffing them, so now in Arizona, good American firsters have live voter rolls and can be fighting them for next year.
1: Scott, it says this bidding starts at $100,000 in (laughs) join (laughs) the boxes. Joey, Joey the box himself wants to get $100,000. Now, Joe and his brother at the America First Warehouse have probably, if you ask me, the greatest curated collection of Donald Trump America First memorabilia I have ever seen in my entire life, and I traveled the country and the world for Newsmax. And if you haven't been to the America First Warehouse, You better get there. And uh, Joey, your brother, your family, Mrs. Box, she's really the brains behind the whole operation. God bless you. All right, well, Jolly Box has bid $100,000
0: to overbid Joe, I would caution you, <laughs> it could get ugly, but. Uh. <laughs> there you are, everyone. Those are just some of the sounds and some of what happened at Scott Labeda's art show with the America Project and the America First Warehouse getting together. It was a great time, great, pe- great meeting people. And I figured what better way than to put it on a Patriot panel so you guys can get to hear some of what was said. So if Trump gets in, Tom Holman is coming back. That's, that's a great thing. Uh, some great money went out for a good cause, and the America Project will benefit from that. There's tickets uh, for a mar show on the 18th, uh, April 18th, and then there is one at the Met Club in New York City, which I will be at on April 19th. So check it out. Uh, check out the America Project, and yeah, if if you can, pass this on. Let people know what the deal is. There's good people out there fighting for good things. We will save this country. And tomorrow we will be back with a We the People are the News. Until then, hit share. Hit up SonsAndDaughtersOfLiberty.world. Don't forget that promo code podcast. And I will be seeing you soon. This is the Patriot Panel.